Hello you guys, it's Katie and welcome back to another episode of Crime and Crochet. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the serial killer Gary Charles Evans. Now he had five victims and he murdered from 1985 to 1997. So with that, let's just get right into the story. Gary Evans was born on October 7th, 1954, and he grew up in Troy, New York, where he was physically and emotionally abused by his parents until they got a divorce in 1968. Now, his mom attempted suicide on multiple different occasions, and he did begin to steal at a young age so ultimately not a great childhood it seems like and that's the way it is with most of the people we talk about on this podcast and also with most serial killers and he does have this in common with most serial killers that he abused and killed neighborhood pets and that is widely known as a sign of an antisocial personality disorder and like I said a lot of criminals and especially serial killers are known to do that in their childhood. So his mother married and divorced four times before coming out as lesbian and in February of 1983 she did die after falling unconscious in the snow outside of a bar so that seems like an absolutely terrible way to die but unfortunately that is what happened to her and soon after his parents divorced gary left the house and was often homeless and his way of surviving was stealing from local drug dealers and he even spent months in county jail for breaking into a house in 1970. In the mid-1970s, Gary shared an apartment with two of his old neighborhood friends, and they all began to rob together. So he would study antiques and jewelry to know the value of them, and he even began to act like he was an antique dealer, to talk to other dealers to learn more about the antiques and also figure out how he could break in to steal from these antique dealers. Now, he was convicted of 15 antique-related felonies during his lifetime, so he was definitely known for robbing and stealing from people. Even on January 13th of 1977, He was sentenced to time in prison for burglary, and he was released and paroled on March 31st of 1980. Now, he was quickly back in jail when he had possession of stolen property while on parole. When he was in jail for having that stolen property while on parole, He managed to escape over a wall 
in the county jail and he fled to a public library where the police apprehended him and he was then treated as an extreme escape risk and was even caught planning escapes on other occasions after that. So when he was convicted, he was sentenced on September 11th, 1980, and he was paroled on December 29th of 1982, but then he was arrested two more times as the years went on, and he was on early release on March 31st, 1984, after all of that, which I am assuming was all robbery charges again, but I haven't found any information on exactly what those other two charges were, but he was just in county jail, so it was probably just minor robberies or little things like that. So now is when the disappearances start to happen. So on February 16th of 1985, Gary and one of his former roommates that he lived with and, of course, one of his accomplices that they were stealing the antiques and jewelry together started to get back into it. So they went to a flea market to, of course, steal. And about a week later, his accomplice was missing nowhere to be found and Gary convinced local criminals and law enforcement that he had fled to California it was only found out that 13 years later when he revealed that he had shot his friend rolled his body into a sleeping bag and disposed of it in a swamp near his sister's house in Fort Worth Florida and he recounted that he thought his friend had stolen merchandise from him and that he would report him to the authorities. So, in his words, his motive for this was he thought his friend was going to snitch on him for having some stolen merchandise in his possession. So, Gary returned from Florida to New York in April, and on April 21st of 1980, he stole $12,000 from a local drug dealer. That led to a high-speed police pursuit where that landed him back in custody, and he spent another two to three years in Sing Sang the following July. And during his time there, he actually became friends with the infamous serial killer David Berkowitz, which you may not know him by that name, but you'll probably know him by the Son of Sam name, which I think is absolutely crazy that he was friends with another serial killer while he was in jail, but then he goes on to be a serial killer. He'd only killed one person at this point, but they didn't know that. And he meets a serial killer and then goes on to be a serial killer. But anyway, him and David would lift weights together and exchange letters while they were in police custody and in jail, even though they had no idea that he had killed his friend at this point. And at, afterward, on March 1st of 1988, he was paroled and let out of jail again.
So not too long after his release from jail, he was working with another neighborhood thief whose name was Damien, and him and Damien targeted a coin and jewelry store owned by 63-year-old Douglas Berry in Watertown, New York, and that was a several hours drive away from them. And on September 8th, Gary and Damien broke into Barry's store while Barry was asleep in the back room and Gary shot him to death. So that is his second murder. So his third murder happened on December 27th of 1989 and that was less than four months after Barry's murder. So Damien had left his apartment with Gary and was never seen again and that not until 1998 when Gary was confessing he recounted that he had shot Damien to death and buried his body nearby his apartment so that was similar to his friend from four years prior and again his reasoning was the same that he believed this friend of his was going to turn on him and tell the police that he had been stealing. Gary even told Damien's girlfriend and the mother of his child that he had abandoned them and fled voluntarily. And barely a month later, he had developed a relationship with this woman. And over the next several years, he spent much of his time with his girlfriend and daughter which they had no idea that he was responsible for his death nobody did until he confessed or if he did tell anybody they didn't let anybody know but that is absolutely crazy that he was having a relationship with this woman and spending time with the daughter when he had killed her boyfriend and the daughter's father Ooh, that's so messed up. Anyway, moving on. In October of 1991, Gary spent two weeks on the roof of a building in Little Falls, New York, and he was casing a coin and jewelry store on the first floor, which was owned by Gregory, who was 36. So on October 17th of 1991, Gary walked into the store, asked Gregory to price a piece of merchandise, and then shot him to death. And this area where this jewelry store was was a really small community, so they were really outraged by this murder because they barely ever had any murders at all. In 1993, Gary stole over 800 antiques from a group shop in Vermont, and he even used a crane to steal a 1,000-pound bench from a cemetery. But he was arrested for that when somebody turned him in, and in early 1994, he agreed to assist the authorities in obtaining information on Jeffrey Williams who was implicated in a high-profile murder of his girlfriend. 
when Williams finally admitted his role, Gary was released on February 12th of 1994, with police still unaware that he had killed at least four people at this point. So again, right after getting out of jail on March 20th, 1994, he went back to stealing and stole valuable first American edition of a London printing from John Adams from a library in Vermont. And when he tried to sell the book, Through a prison inmate, he was turned in and wound up in federal prison. And the book sold for over $300,000 at auction in 2002. With the shortened sentence he received for returning the book, he was released on June 6th of 1996. After that prison release, he reunited with the second friend that he was originally living with, obviously not the one that he killed, but the other one, and they began to commit burglaries again. So in January of 1993, a shop in Massachusetts was burglarized of $800,000 in merchandise. The following January, Gary sold antique jewelry, which the police later linked to that burglary. On October 4th of 1997, Gary killed his last victim, which was that second friend that he was originally roommates with, and that friend had called his wife that morning and was never heard from again, and Gary admitted that he shot him to death when he had his back turned, and then dismembered him with a chainsaw. So Gary had suspected that his friend was stealing from him, and also claimed that that friend tricked him into thinking that their other roommate that was killed 13 years earlier had also stolen from him, and the timing of everything made the authorities question him and believe that he was involved in this friend's death because he had just jumped parole like the day before this friend went missing. So in the authorities' mind, this was not a coincidence. So this became a nationwide manhunt that lasted almost eight months, but with the aid of his friend's ex-girlfriend, which he was having a relationship with, even though he killed that friend, They found him on May 27th of 1998, and he was arrested without incident in Vermont, near where he was living in a tent as a survivalist. So they really didn't have much evidence on Gary for this murder, and they had no idea about the other murders, so they were kind of just hoping that they would come up with some evidence while he was being held in jail. And he shocked them all by, on June 18th of 1998, confessing to the murders of his three friends. At this point, he did not confess to the two people he had killed during robberies, but he did confess 
to the murders of his three friends, and he aided the police in recovering the three bodies, including his friend in Florida, and he also did later on admit to the murders of the two jewelry store owners, but that was later on. So, on August 12th of 1998, Gary was indicted for the three murders of his friends in New York, and he also had charges in Vermont for the murders of these jewelers and he was arraigned for one of the counts of the jewelers murders and the day after that he was being transported to New York for the trials of the murders of his friends. Now unbeknownst to the authorities he had shoved a handcuff key in his nose so he managed to free his hands while in the van, and he managed to escape from the van while he was in transport, and then the police cornered him on a bridge, and he leaped off the bridge and plunged to his death into the shallows of the Hudson River, which was over 60 feet below. When the authorities retrieved his body, that's when they figured out that he had the handcuffs up his nose and a razor blade taped to his ankle. So absolutely crazy how he died, but I guess he didn't want to be killed by them. He wanted to die in his own way, so that's what he did. But with that, that is the end of this story. So now we're going to get into the crochet pattern for this week. The crochet pattern for this week is the Bellina the Bee Bunny, which is a super cute pattern by Yarn.ami or Amy. I'm not exactly sure how to say it, but she's a super cute crochet creator. And again, on Instagram, her name is Yarn dot ami and there are also three other sisters that go with this pattern and the sisters patterns are out on her etsy shop so make sure you check her out yarn dot ami on instagram to see her amazing work again that is bolina the bee bunny pattern which it is a super cute crochet project so I definitely recommend you check that out if you guys are interested and also if you want to see a picture of this crime case see a picture of the crochet pattern or see my sources you can always check out my instagram which is at crime and crochet all one word and each week when I upload an episode of this podcast There's also a picture posted of the crochet pattern and a picture of the crime case we are talking about. So in this case, there will be a picture of Gary Evans on the Instagram page. So if you'd like to check that out, again, it is at Crime and Crochet. So if you guys would like to support the podcast, the best way you can do that is leaving a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening on 
as well as following at Crime and Crochet on Instagram to get updates on each episode, as well as give me input on what you guys are thinking of each episode and what crochet creators I should shout out next. With that, I hope you guys will tune in to the next episode next Saturday of Crime and Crochet. And make sure that you are staying safe out there so you don't become one of these victims that we talk about each week. And with that, goodbye y'all.